If you've been around Kenilworth Union at all this spring and summer, you know that Katie and I are preaching this series of sermons about Paul's catalog of virtues, which he puts in his letter to the churches in Galatia. He calls them the fruit of the Spirit. I've been calling them facets of faithfulness. Paul writes to the Galatians, Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, writes Paul. And since we're talking about gentleness today, I could think of no more fitting scripture text than our mission statement, Micah 6, verse 8, which is inscribed in granite out in front of the church. God has showed you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk gently with your God. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're talking about gentleness today. In English, you can talk about a gentle man, gentle and man with a space between, or you can talk about a gentleman, one word, no space. Did you ever wonder how we got from a gentleman to gentleman? The English word gentle comes from the Latin gens, which means race, clan, birth, or origin. As someone put it, the word gentle reminds us that we all come from the same clan. It reminds us of our common humanity, that we are a people, a race, made from this earth that sustains us all. And so in the Middle Ages, gentle came to mean gentry. A gentleman was one who had land and family and money and power and therefore was obligated to protect the unentitled. A gentleman was, by definition, a gentle man. Gentleness is integral to our common humanity. Generous comes from the same Latin root, birth, race, clan, origin, gens. Generous is what we were born to be. And what's interesting about Paul's catalog of virtues in his letter to the Galatians is what's not there, right? There are a lot of good things there, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so forth, but there are a lot of missing things too, right? Strength is not there. Power is not there. Ambition is not there. Industriousness is not there. Just plain old common hard work. Self-confidence is not there. Self-control is, as we'll hear next week, but not self-confidence. Detroit Tigers fans are just not having any fun just now. The Tigers have the worst record in Major League Baseball. Even this close to the All-Star break, they are already 28 and a half games out of first place. So, to make myself a little happier, I scared up some YouTube videos of the 1968 World Series, the zenith of my professional sports fandom. Tigers over cards in seven games, 1968 World Series. I was 11 years old, and sure enough, on those videos, there was our nemesis, Bob Gibson, Cardinals pitcher for 17 years, Hall of Fame, 251 wins, 3,000 Ks, 
struck out 17 Tigers in the first game of the 1968 World Series. To put that in perspective, there are only 27 outs in a typical baseball game. Bob Gibson's earned run average in 1968 was 1.12. That's almost miraculous. No one since has even come close. Bob Gibson was so dominant in 1968 that the next year the Major League Baseball program lowered the pitching mound five inches from 15 inches to 10 to give batters a fighting chance. He was famously brusque and belligerent even to his own teammates. Cards catcher Tim McCarver once came out to the mound for a conference with his pitcher and Bob Gibson just said, go back to home plate. The only thing you know about pitching is that it's hard to hit. <laughs> Batters who faced him at the plate say he was the most terrifying pitcher in baseball. Now maybe Randy Johnson and Roger Clemens have replaced him in that, but back then he was terrifying. He would glare at the batter as if to say, I hate you more than Satan. I hate you more than Joseph Stalin. I hate you more than Bull Connor. And when he threw a pitch, he would stretch his body out so far that he looked like Elastigirl in The Incredibles. He shrunk that distance between home plate and the pitching mound. And he was not afraid to throw at a batter. First baseman Bill White was Gibson's roommate when White and Gibson both played for the Cards. But in 1966, the Cardinals traded Bill White to the Phillies. And the first time Bill White came up against his old roommate, Gibson threw a pitch right under his chin, hit him right under his chin. And Bill White says that was Bob's way of saying, we're not roommates anymore. Now that's giftedness, that's a gift, that's self-confidence, that belligerence, that talent, those are gifts. But it's not, according to St. Paul at least, the fruit of the Spirit. You know what's missing from Paul's list? All the hard, muscular, Dwayne the Rock Johnson virtues, right? I was going to say that Paul's list is full of stereotypically feminine virtues and lacks stereotypically masculine virtues, but maybe we'd better stop, stop talking like that after watching Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan at the World Cup, right? Gentleness is not necessarily soft and it's not necessarily fragile and flaccid. Sorbonne philosopher Andre Comte Spanville says gentleness is courage without violence, strength without harshness, love without anger. Love the way he puts that. Courage without violence, strength without harshness, love without anger. He says, gentleness is, to begin with, a kind of peace. Yes? Do you see what he means? Gentleness is a kind of peace. Do you know someone who can touch a child or a piano without leaving fingerprints? Do you have a colleague at Work who, when verbally attacked, will not respond in kind? Do you know a teacher who insists on going into the classroom where they keep all the juvenile delinquents because he knows that's where he can make the best difference? And he can keep order in an unruly classroom, not with rage and shouting, but with a quiet word and a genuine respect 
for that sharp eye for the humanity of every child of God in that classroom. Do you know somebody like that? Do you know a businessman who does not think it's a waste of time to read poetry to the residents at the nursing home? Do you know a Stephen minister who will sit there hour after hour as you unleash a litany of the world's injustices to you? And do you think we could use a generous portion of this facet of faithfulness in the world just now? Maybe I'm too gentle for my own good, but I am just hurt by the brutality of our public discourse right now. Send her back? Really? Send her back where? To Boston? To the Bronx? To Detroit? To Minneapolis? Is that what it means to be an American now? Divisive? Derisive? Afraid? Superior? White? Christian? And what's saddest of all is that most of the people chanting send her back were evangelical Christians. We're meant to be channels of this gentleness, which is a kind of peace. And peace never comes from contempt like that. Gentle doesn't mean soft or flaccid. Even our gentle mothers can be tough. If you heard about the young man who was getting into some mild trouble during his senior year in high school, so his mother laid down the law, she made him study, she made him go to class, she made him take an SAT prep class, she made sure he worked hard on his college applications, she was always telling him just what to do, and finally he had just about enough of that, and he said, that's it, I'm sick and tired of everyone telling me what to do, I'm going to join the Marines. Sometimes our gentle mothers can be worse than drill sergeants. It's a great article in the New York Times. This was actually quite a while ago, but it was about a high-powered career woman who gave it all up to take care of her father suffering from Alzheimer's disease. She'd been a radio anchor woman, high-powered woman with a Mercedes and jobs in L.A. and San Francisco and New York. Now her job is to be her father's primary caretaker. Nobody asked me to do this, she says, and it wasn't about guilt. I lived a very selfish life, and I'd gotten a lot of recognition, but all, all I did was work, and it was getting kind of old. And I knew I could make a difference here, and it's expanded my heart and given me a chance to reclaim something I'd lost. It's expanded her heart and given her a chance to reclaim something she'd lost. Her father calls her daughter because he can't remember her name. She takes him to adult daycare. She takes him to the barber shop. She takes him to choir rehearsal because though he can't remember her name, he remembers all the old songs. I'm here to make my dad feel loved and to keep my mom from going crazy, she says. Her mother says her her. She has made, her mother says she has made our life doable 
Sometimes I can't believe she's here. And mother and daughter comfort each other with little white lies. She says to her mother, I didn't give up anything to be here, but they both know better. And when she picks him up from daycare at the end of the day, she leads him to the car and he says, Daughter, where are you going? And she's, she says, Nowhere, Dad, just home with you. Now, where does that come from? I think gen- gentleness comes not from weakness, but from strength. Not from an impoverishment, but from abundance, from spiritual abundance, from God, actually. Because we who know ourselves to be graced can be gracious. And we who know ourselves to be loved can be loving. And we who are secure in God's great love and grand plan for our lives can lay aside the instinct to grasp after what we think the world owes us, our instinct for self-preservation and self-defense, our obstinate allegiance to our own inflexible agenda. Gentleness is courage without violence, strength without harshness, and love without anger. Or as the prophet Micah puts it, God has showed you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk gently with your God, to walk gently on this earth. That is this congregation's raison d'etre. That is why we are here. Pray with me. Loving God, drop thy still dews of quietness till all our strivings cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. Amen.